What if I told you that you could help solve the hospitality recruitment crisis with just £10? You'd say, shut up, take my money, wouldn't you? Well, that's exactly what a new initiative called Hospitality Rising is going to do. Between now and May the 12th, we are raising £5 million to fund the biggest hospitality recruitment advertising campaign that the UK and beyond has ever seen. We want to double the amount of people who would consider working in hospitality. Think army, be the best, but for hospitality. All we need from you is £10 per employee that you have in your business and together we can stop this recruitment crisis forever. Go to hospitalityrising.org now to find out how you can help today and don't forget to tell your HR team and your CEO. Supersonic! 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 Supersonic. Supersonic. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. Hello, it's Adam here from Storekit. We're the easy mobile ordering system for ambitious operators. We love Mark so much that for podcast listeners, we've got a very special deal. If you head to storekit.com forward slash demo and quote supersonic in the form, you can get £50 donated to a hospitality charity of your choice. All you need to do is complete the demo and be a real business. So if you're experiencing trouble finding staff, if you want to boost premium orders, or if you just want to manage an outdoor area with the easiest possible system you can find, head to Stalk It right now and check it out. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugarboat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. Hi, my name is Mark McCulloch and I'm a Virtual Chief Marketing Officer for hospitality, B2B and tech brands. And I wanted to share with you a presentation that I've just done to a couple of hundred hospitality veterans and marketers and operators. And I've been talking about marketing in 2022 and what you can expect and what you should be focusing on. A few people wanted to share it with their colleagues. My presentations tend to have lots of pictures in and not narratives. So I thought it was better if I did both and shared it in video form and also audio form on my podcast, the Supersonic Marketing Podcast, which you can get on Apple and Amazon and Spotify. So 2022 is the same... and different year hopefully not hopefully it's going to be a good year where we can be really positive about all of the things that are coming up things seem to be opening up again and also the virus that i won't touch on too much is you know hopefully starting to calm down a little bit and we can start to live with it and go on with our lives so we've got to keep fighting now i'm inspired to do this presentation from an amazing 
marketer and business person Gary Vaynerchuk and years ago he talked about marketing like the year that you live in and also a huge thing for him as well was to stop marketing like you are living in 1972, 1982, 1992, 2002 and really market like it is 2022. So the past couple of years have been pretty tricky. We've all been in the fetal position and hermits and rocking and all these things and time has just passed us by and we haven't made as much of it as we usually would have. So hopefully this is the year that we can do that. But don't worry, I've got your back with this presentation and I think we'll be able to learn a lot together and hopefully this inspires you to try a few different things and rip up the rule book and re-look at all your marketing plans as the world resets itself. So as I said, I'm a virtual chief marketing officer for hospitality, tech and B2B brands and I've also had the pleasure of working in-house at brands like lastminute.com, Bartley Card, Yosushi, Blinkbox Music and pret some of the great brands I've been working with lately, the Shum store kit app, which is amazing and definitely check it out. Buzzworks bars, restaurants up in Scotland, holiday extras. So out of hospitality sector, really, um, but great business and definitely going places and some restaurant, independent restaurants down in Brighton. And also I've been heading up an initiative to launch Hospitality Rising, which is going to raise £5 million to do an Army Be The Best style campaign for recruitment in hospitality because we are short of people, about 340,000 people to be exact. And here's also some of the great brands that I've had the pleasure of working with over the last few years since I went out as a consultant and an agency owner. So obviously this is the presentation, but you know if you want to get in touch with me, then just get in touch with me at Mark at supersonic.marketing. Mark at supersonic.marketing. Okay, the great Gary Vaynerchuk talks about day trading people's attention and I think that's one of the best comments I've ever heard about what a marketer's role is, especially these days when attention is so fragmented. But I would go a step further than that and say, well, to what end? Well, to what end is to increase brand awareness, perception, loyalty, sales and profit. So if you look at attention, day trading attention, where is the attention? Well, it's a 20 second Google search away. So a couple of Google searches will bring you to find the most popular websites in the world. Amazingly, number one is tiktok.com. Now that didn't just happen on New Year's Eve on 2021. It's been allegedly, apparently, reportedly since um, February in 2021. So it's been a long time coming. So in that sense, if you look at that, you think, well, it must be taken seriously now. People should be all over TikTok and it should be a major part of your marketing strategy. Um, no matter really the age group, unless it's like super oldies, um, it's definitely something to get your head around and get involved in. But my advice here would be look at all of these websites, look at all of the traffic that's going to them, try and figure out how much of your target audience is going there, and then try to think about how could you get a little bit of you into all of these. Is it a Netflix series that you're going to commission? Are you going to sell your products on Amazon? Is there a messaging strategy you can have around WhatsApp? There's a lot of great things there that you could get your teeth into. The next thing, obviously, in terms of attention is then the most used social platforms. So looking at these figures, 
Facebook, 2.9 billion monthly active users. YouTube, 2.3 billion almost monthly active users. And YouTube is always forgotten in terms of being a social media channel. So definitely something to get your teeth into, you know, whether it's pre-rolls or whether it is unique content or it is attacking searches that you know that your audience is going after. Then coming down the track, WhatsApp, 2 billion monthly active users. Sandwiched in between is Instagram, between the two big messaging platforms. Instagram at 1.4 billion almost. Facebook Messenger at 1.3 billion. Then you come down, TikTok is at 1 billion. Um, and I'm just looking at the relevant uh, channels for you know the, the UK and, and the Western world that we're in, or some of us are in. And then going further down, Pinterest, 454 four, million, and Twitter, 436 million. And then if you go across, I've pulled out LinkedIn because for hospitality marketers and B2B marketers, and most marketers, you know, there's still a job to do on LinkedIn. So 350 million active monthly users. So then it's like, well, actually, that's all fair enough. But who are the main users of that platform? So when you look at it, it's quite a millennial sort of landslide here. So you've got Facebook, 25 to 34 is 26.3%. Instagram, 25 to 34 is 33.1%. Twitter, slightly older, 30 to 49 is 44%. You can see it's not quite like for like here, but all the different companies are reporting different things. So that's why it's slightly out of whack, but at least you'll get the idea. LinkedIn, I was so shocked at this. 25 to 34 is the main user group. So that's millennials again, 50, 57%, followed by 35 to 54 year olds at 22.2%. Then the last one, TikTok, 15 to 24 is 26% of the group that's looking at TikTok, followed by 9% uh, of the group is made up of 26 to 45 year olds. Now, I believe that's a slightly older stat from 2019. I don't know what the latest figures are for TikTok, so you might be able to find that out. I'll get a feeling it's going to creep up older, just like it did with Facebook, just like it did with Instagram, and then the younger uh, age groups will go somewhere else again. The sources is Don't Disappoint Me and Statista. So have a look on their sites, and I'm sure you'll be able to look at the stats and make of it what you will. So basically, what you're wanting to try and do is sort of chase the attention and chase your consumer around their lives, really. Try and figure out how they live a day, what their media consumption's like, and you'll then be able to get the attention of them. You know, if they're massive radio fans or they're going to cinemas or whatever it is, start looking at that and then plan your marketing backwards from there in terms of how you're going to get their attention. So in 2022, there's really two states of life. One is reality and one is virtual reality. So in terms of reality then, obviously we've all been sort of punched in the face um, quite a few times over the last couple of years and the rule book for marketing sort of went out the window with all the challenges that you're going to have. So we've all made the best of it and, you know, congratulations to all of you for, you know, doing the best you can. You know, none of us have been through this really, so we're all finding our way. And also you weren't quite sure where to turn, you know, what should you do next? But if you take a few deep breaths and you just step back from the whole situation, then the great news is that you've got more levers to pull in hospitality, I'm talking about here in terms of examples, but in business generally, most businesses had to pivot and with that comes new opportunity. So I think in retail or hospitality, if you're trading within four brick walls and that's it, then I would be really worried for you. I mean, that really sounds dangerous to me. 
And also I get the feeling that it'll come and back and bite you in the bum at some point because there will be some other thing that happens. You know, I hope it doesn't, but I'm sure it will. History has a real habit of repeating itself. So again, be set up for that. You know, take this as a lesson about what you would do if this happens again. The big lesson as well is try to have as many mountain grapple hooks as you can on the cliff face because if you only have one or two, you can imagine how tough it would be to scale a mountain, you know, like Tom Cruise hanging off the cliff face on Mission Impossible. You'd much rather have lots and lots of places that you can, you know, sort of jump for safety should things go wrong. So by my reckoning then, I think there's around eight business verticals within the sort of retail stroke uh, hospitality space. And also that means that you'll be running eight marketing plans as well. Yes, it's investment. Yes, you're maybe a small business, but even the small businesses are doing this really well, you know, some of them, so you can take inspiration from them. So of course you've got dine-in, um, you know, in terms of you eating out and all the rest of it and going to the restaurant. Then you've got takeaway and delivery. And now just a point and, and a thank you to Uber Eats and Just Eat and, uh, and Deliveroo and all these different types of companies because they actually saved hospitality in so many ways. And actually before this time, they were the devil, you know, and in terms of they were saying, well, I'm going to cannibalize my business and they're going to charge me a fortune and all these things. And actually the tables have turned, excuse the pun, They've just done such a great job and hopefully we're all seeing them as a bit of a partner now. And I remember going to a conference a few years ago and I saw someone from Deliveroo actually getting booed, you know, which I just couldn't believe. So now, you know, hopefully we're all friends and we're all going to move forward together. Gift tokens, gift cards, all that stuff, I would get stuck into that. Lots of people are buying these by the truckload at the moment. And also I would say that, you know, if you hook up with someone like toggle or airship or someone like that um and get in touch with sam there uh, or dan or any of the team and they'll be able to help you with your gift card solution also some great delivery home kits that we saw so as close as our restaurant experiences you're going to get so the shum patty and bun pizza pilgrims hawks moor you know and many many more you know peach pubs and and so many bleaker burger so you know we were actually really spoiled and we had such a good time you know having these home meal kits, finish at home, you know, whatever it was, you know, just really exciting and a different way for us to experience our favourite brands. Yes, the volume has gone down on these now, but there's still a market there. And actually, I think what you're attacking is people who are just going to have something from the supermarket, maybe a dine-in for £10 at Marks Spencers, etc. So I think there's a great opportunity for you to actually go after those and attack people who are going to have a slightly nicer meal from a supermarket, they could actually use you. Then, of course, there was lots of e-shops. Deshume did a great job on that, and they actually had physical products. So the cookery book Hamper, they've also got records and CDs, they've got chutneys, they've got that incredible detail that I just covet so much. And the packaging is as lovely as you would expect from Deshume. So when you're looking at that, having physical products is actually quite a good idea. And I'll tell you why later in terms of social shopping too, but it's definitely something for you to look into. Once you've got those physical products, it's then thinking about one of the four P's place. So where are you going to distribute these great things to and, and really get in front of your customers and really have a little bit of you in their cupboards or in their fridge or you know around their kitchen or around their home? What is it you're doing 
to sort of mark your territory, if you like, and make sure that you are regularly in their thoughts and in their repertoire. You don't have to go to supermarkets, understand that hooking up with Asda or whoever is not everyone's idea of a good time. But, you know, you could go to some independent shops as well and just see what's possible. And then Emma and Kenneth Tonkotsu, you know, they've done such a good job from being such a coveted brand and small brand, you know, absolutely, you know, anti-chain in the way that they're growing. But they've got some great products that they're selling, not only within the restaurants, but also having the foresight to have uh, Amazon products or, or selling through Amazon, I think it's a great thing. So if you ever want to find out about that, I'm sure Emma and Ken would be, you know, really happy to talk to you about it. So just get in touch with them uh, at Tonkotsu and I'm sure they'll talk you through their success there. So the world is short-staffed. This is another thing. You're probably closer to your HR department, your internal comms department than you have ever been. So looking at that, what can you do to help them? Well, it's about doing something different. So I had a brief from a client which said, look, we need front of house staff and chefs, of course, but front of house, house staff mainly under 30s and we want to look like fun. So when we had this meeting on a Friday afternoon, I almost had a bit of a flippant thought and I was like, why don't we just go all in and TikTok and see what they say? And the client absolutely loved it and backed it and put the budget behind it and went for a huge leap of faith. So what was exciting was we got to work with a brand new TikTok agency, they're TikTok only, and I would definitely recommend talking to them. So this is Vic from um, Antler Social, and there's Matt, uh, not pictured there, but he's also a partner in that too. And we became client number two. They just left Jungle Creations and Twisted Foods, so they knew a thing or two about great content and also engagement. So we worked with them and said, look, we've got some budget, you know, it's a f tens of thousands, but, you know, what could we do with that? And I know everyone's not got that money, but, you know, Buzzworks, uh, one of my clients, not a huge business, but they absolutely believed this was the right thing to do because it was something different. Now, what happened then was we went to some content creators for TikTok. We went to Stephen McKell, who's got 3.2 million followers on TikTok. And we also went to Schaefer Bates, who is a Gordon Ramsay and more impressionist. And we put all the budget into them making videos that then we could put out. They'd put out on their own channels as well, high engagement. And also on top of that, we'd be able to stick some advertising behind it. Now, if I show you this, hopefully it doesn't break up too much. Um, but hopefully you'll be able to see it and it'll be smooth all the way through. But this is Stephen McKell. Stand back and watch it. I think most brand managers, brand directors, marketing directors, whatever, would have a heart attack thinking about leaving their brand to you know, comedians we've got really in terms of being content creators. And we just said to them, you do what you want. You do what you think's right. You know what will work. And boy, am I glad we did. Here's Stephen. Listen, if you have a friend that's always broke, you want to send this to them. <laughs> so I got something real special for you. So to apply, just comment, I need a job or click the link below. I'm not here to judge, I'm just here to help. At Buzzworks, you'll get to work at amazing venues like this with some good pay, good tips, and you also get paid overtime. <laughs> you'll get to serve amazing food like this. <laughs> and you'll get to make drinks like that for amazing customers. And you get 40% staff discount for up to four people. Look at Amanda. She adores the flexible working hours. Four day work weeks they offer if that's something you want to do. And it's full time as well, so you have no excuse. You have no excuse. None!
to apply comment, I need a job, or hit the link below. You've got this. So the great things here was that uh, it was really easy to apply. So hashtag I need a job. Then the Antler team would get in touch with the people who had said that and we would push them to a landing page, which was very simple, had a name and an email address, and that was it. That would then go to the client's HR team and the HR team would get in touch with them from there. Now with Stephen, it really is a different way to go at this, but 3.2 million followers, over one, uh, one, one and a half million views, I think, for him. And then we got 18,500 or so jobs, and then 38% of all of the applications we got came from Stephen. Now, it was a great result from that point of view. And just to let you know, we had just under 900 applications over 12 weeks. So we could not believe it. So much so, we had a couple of venues where there's a waiting list to actually work there. And also, we were in talks about you know changing the HR process to be more frictionless. And also, what could they do to maybe work, you know, almost 24 hours and, and seven days a week? Because when someone sends in something on TikTok, they want a response instantly. Like, you can't leave it on the Friday till a Monday afternoon. You know, you've lost them by then. So there's definitely some new things to look at there too. So the next person up, I won't show the whole thing, but this is Schaefer Bates and a clip from him. And you can see how engaging it is. We put it on TikTok, but we also put it on Instagram, Facebook, and a few other places, and it just went like wildfire. So really funny, something really different. It was a two and a half minute long clip, but this is a short clip of Schaefer. And I think you'll agree he's quite a talent. Okay, we are in The Vine. Uh, one of Buzzworks many amazing restaurants across Scotland. I've heard good things, but just like an ingrowing hair on the testicle, I'm ready to pull things out. Okay, good morning. Morning. Hi. Morning, darling. Okay, good morning. Morning. Now, first things first is the staff are so friendly and amazing. I met a boy earlier on who's been working here since he was in the f***ing womb. I don't know if that has to do with the buzzword benefits like flexible contracts or the most amazing rates of pay. There's also a beautiful young lady who referred to me as Now, I don't know what that means, but it sounds f***ing amazing. Now, to try the food. So just incredible from Schaefer there and big thanks to all the creators that helped us with that. I'll just switch that sound off. There's a little buzz on there. Okay, so we got around 30 applications per day which you know we couldn't have believed at the start so we were over the moon i think we were estimating something like 11 so we did really really well and then just while we're pulling at the thread of tiktok here's some great advice that you know i've picked up along the way but also from alison battersby at avocado social so post one to four times per day make videos that people will want to watch again and again and also make videos that you'll watch to the end and even tease the end. So you notice a lot of TikTok videos would say, wait till you see what happens and things like that. So the algorithm really favors that. So videos that you'll be able to watch again and again, but also uh, that you watch all the way through. Constantly check what the trending hashtags are, challenges, effects, music and influencers or content creators as they like to be known. Reenact these and investigate why they are trending. Don't worry about followers. You can go viral with just one video, even if you've got two followers. Work with creators in your field and also who your audience follows for success. Okay, so then on to virtual reality then. So this is obviously the new wave of stuff and it's not me talking about this, that it's going to happen in five years time. Like this stuff is happening now. 
So as part of your remit and marketing, it'd be a really, really good idea to get your head around this if you possibly can. So looking at the web, we're at this new place that, you know, people are being quite grand about it and saying, look, it's as big as, you know, the printing press being made or the gold rush or when uh, the internet began altogether. So when you go back to web one, so mid 90s, early 90s, then it was the information economy that came all the way through. Then there was the platform economy, which is kind of almost the last few years what was been happening. So you've got, you know, Facebook and Uber and all these different things where a platform is made and you all go there. In Web3, they're talking about the ownership economy. So actually, you'll be able to create your own platforms, you'll be able to create your own content, you'll be able to create your own assets, create your own wealth, create your own um, currency as well and all these different things so it's just going to be very different because the onus is going to shift really from the big companies that own the platforms that we all go to to now it being super fragmented where we all become media channels and media owners really in our own right so yeah it's going to be quite a journey so for anyone that grew up with google uh, way back in the day when you could search stanford and then search the web way back then you know it's going to blow your mind in terms of what's happening now so what we've got is Zuckerberg's view, vision of the future, uh, which looks pretty hellish to me at the moment. But, you know, with your headset on and your sort of uh, hand controls, you can go into the metaverse and you can play games and you can meet people and all the rest of it. They haven't really worked out yet how everyone has to have legs, but I'm sure commerciality will drive that because you want people to buy virtual trousers and virtual fashion and virtual sneakers and all these different things. So it won't be long until that happens. So in terms of the metaverse then, what's going to happen is you'll maybe be going out for dinner or something like that and then you'll be sort of strapping to your head this, um, you know, sort of Oculus or, or you know, your phone into some kind of uh, holder device type thing and you'll be, you know, having a different experience. So you could be sitting across from the love of your life but then actually you're transported to somewhere else. Now with that, you know, if you thought that influencers were, you know, super annoying coming in and standing on tables and chairs and sending stuff back so it gets more pretty and, you know, you want to slap them. You know, in terms of these people coming in that are wanting headsets and they want their battery charged and all the rest of it, you know, you'll want to really thump them in the head. But anyway, it's going to be interesting and we're going to have to live with it and we can see how that goes. Now, for example, what's going to happen is you'd have a virtual reality experience of when you're, you know, when you're eating, how you're eating, what you're doing. Um, it's going to make life pretty difficult because you'll almost be eating blind, but it's going to be interesting to see the journey and, and how the, the UI works for you as a customer. Also, there's great opportunities for product placement where you can have a Coke in there or a Heineken or a Karma Cola or whatever it's going to be. Um, be really interesting to see how that works out. Also, when you get your deliveries, that can change. So instead of you having your KFC on your knee, where you're, you know, having your dinner, watching Coronation Street, you know, you could be getting transported to, you know, Venice if you're having Pizza Pilgrims or Pizza Express or, you know, whatever it is, you know, going to that country where that food is from potentially or just going somewhere more fun. The other cool thing is for nightclubs and bars and restaurants and all the rest of it, you could be opening, you know, one, ten, a hundred venues a day. So that's going to be really exciting to see that happening. And you can imagine all of the large nightclub operators be looking to do that to merge real life with people partying at home as well. So yeah, it's just going to be amazing. Also, you'll have to buy property to be on there potentially if you want to be in, you know, a busy high street. So it could cost you millions to just buy a virtual space to put your nightclub in or your restaurant or whatever. So 
yeah, it's going to be mind-blowing. Also, thinking about food markets and street food and all these types of things, and just, you know, all food in general, all food traders. But this is called One Rare NFT, and they've closed a £2 million funding for building the world's first food metaverse. So if you imagine, like, a curb or something like that, where, you know, there's a, a place that then you could put your your food stall in and you would pay for it, but then you would make money when you sell things, you know, virtually or in real life. Going to be really, really, you know, just fascinating to see how that all plugs together and how that lives together and how the commercial model works. But it's happening now, so check it out. Go and see, you know, one rare NFT, talk to them and see what's possible for your brand. Also, what you've got is developers and designers and all these different people and brands making restaurants in the metaverse, you know, ready for it to happen. I saw this and I couldn't believe it when it was Byron. I thought it was Byron Burgers from the UK or, you know, Byron from the UK. And it wasn't, you know, it's true American Burgers, just a developer that's done it. So now not only have you got to try and get into the, the metaverse, if that's what you want to do, you've also got the challenge where you might have an intellectual property, an IP battle or a patent battle, trademark battles. So again, you've got to be on the watch out for these things because you could get caught napping. So try and land grab as much as you can to make sure that your brand is not in danger from someone else because it will be the Wild West out there for a long time. Also, you'll go onto your tablet or a you know, some kind of screen that's in your home and you'll choose the experience that you want to have, you know, virtually. Um, and also you'll call up all your friends to then get together. So do they want to party? Do they want to chat? Do they want to go drinking? Do they want to go eating? You can imagine uh, with all the avatars that are there as well, you know, whether it's a, an NFT or it's a Facebook version of of the sort of avatar that you've got, then all the buttons will be there for all the things that you want to do. You know, you might want to play virtual basketball together or, you know, it, it's going to be limitless in terms of what you're going to be able to do. So then looking at crypto and all these types of things, obviously it's very volatile out there, but it would be a really good idea to start investigating how you're going to be able to accept crypto payments. So Burger King, Starbucks and Subway already are, I believe, in terms of Bitcoin, but they might also be doing other uh, currencies like Ethereum and things like that. When you look at brand, uh, brands or currencies like Ethereum, you know, they have to be taken seriously now as well because they're actually, their market cap is bigger than some of the world's biggest banks. So, um, and most of them actually, so definitely worth looking at. You might want to look at crypto payroll as well, that you pay your staff half or 75% or whatever it is in you know, money, currency of that country that you live in, but you also might want to spice things up by giving them the chance for them to buy crypto as well. And then tipping in crypto, you know, could be amazing too, because imagine if you give the equivalent of $10 for crypto, and then, you know, it becomes a fortune for someone later on in life changing, you know, it could be quite incredible to think about that. Then if we look at NFTs, this is the buzzword of everything at the moment. So I'll explain what it is and how it's relevant, especially for hospitality. But when you look at it, it's NFT, non-fungible token. So it's not the best language in the world, but what it's trying to say is things that you own, like, you know, a vinyl record or concert tickets, well, you know, they're, they're fungible to a certain extent because they're not limited, they're, you know, they're, they're around and they don't bring you any value. So in terms of non-fungible tokens, here's the forms that they come in. So art, music, 
video game items, trading cards and collectibles, big sports moments, still curious how that works actually, memes, domain names, and virtual fashion, which I think is just going to become the biggest thing in the world, where you'll have both the digital version of, let's say, your sneakers and the real life uh, one of one version. Now, just to explain NFTs then, so uh, the example that seems to be the, the most common one is the Mona Lisa. So if you owned the Mona Lisa, then that's the analogy. So you own an original piece of art that no one else owns. You own it, there's only one of it. That's an end of story. It's a moment in time that you've bought and captured. But there's many, many more pluses to it than being a bit of paper or a bit of canvas with some paint on. So, of course, when people talk about it, it's a digital piece of art or a digital piece of music. What's to stop people just screen recording it or having a JPEG or anything like that? But you can see here, it's a screenshot. It's not the real thing. You know in your heart of hearts that you don't own it. And also, you don't have any tradable sort of deal flow with it. You know, you have just got some pixels on a screen that are pretty worthless. So if you got the Mona Lisa as a digital piece of art and Leonardo da Vinci had, you know, painted, uh, you know, drew it digitally, then it would be stored in your wallet and there would be codes that are unique to you on what they call the blockchain. And that means that it's immutable, it can't be scrubbed, it's yours, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's in your digital wallet. There's a whole bunch of complexities with digital wallets, but maybe go and watch a video on YouTube about that. But it's in your digital wallet. You've got that forever unless you decide to trade it. So you've also got the bragging rights, which is a huge thing. You know, you own the original. Also, it should go up in value. So that's something for you to get quite excited about, but at the same time, it could also go down in value. 98% of NFTs are going to go to zero. So got to be careful. It is the Wild West out there. Volatility in terms of the currency you bought it with, volatility in terms of its value. It could be flavor of the week, flavor of the day, flavor of the month now, the particular thing that you bought, and then a year down the line, it could be literally worthless. Then what happens is once you've got that NFT in your wallet, you'll be walking around town and then the billboards, the advertising, all these things will be constantly talking to your phone and your digital wallet to see what you've got. So the example might be that you're walking along and it sees you've got a Guinness NFT. Then Frankie and Benny's, the restaurant might say, oh, come in and have a Guinness on us. And there's a deal there and it'll be instantly be able to recognize what's relevant to you. There'll be all sorts of doors that will open, experiences, discounts, loyalty, programs, all these different things. And that'll only be for you and it won't be for anyone else. So it's almost going to be like walking around like Alice in Wonderland or something like that where possibilities, spontaneity, doors, opportunities, all these things will be happening to you as you're walking around and it will just become part of normal life where people are Again, back to Gary Vee and what he talks about, they'll just be fighting for your attention and fighting for your wallet and your money. So here's a very short video just about NFTs and how much they can cost, but also the plus side of what they are too. What do you think this NFT costs? 
one million dollars a lot of people don't understand but why would i buy a jpeg for one million dollars the thing is this jpeg is actually an nft from gary v that means it gives you access to his annual conference for three years you can have him as a guest on your podcast and you can also have a video chat with him if you buy his nft also you would be able to join his discord group to make connections and find new friends would you buy his nft for a million dollars, one and a half million dollars, maybe if I was feel, <laughs> if I was feeling flush, um, but yeah, it's quite a, it's quite you know a big game in terms of numbers. Also, um, the lady there mentioned Discord, definitely worth joining Discord, joining some groups around crypto and NFT, and getting into conversations. And one of the best pieces of advice that I saw was just ask lots of people about it. You know what they do and what they buy and what they into, and you'll be able to learn. But um, yeah, very very exciting. So loyalty is rare, especially amongst your customers, but if you find it, keep it, and NFTs could be a great way for you to do that. Also, a great example was with Applebee's in the States as well, and they hooked up with, I believe it was Amber Vittoria, who is an artist, and they created, minted some NFTs with her, so they, if she identifies as her, and it's, you know, quite a lovely piece of art, you know, so very, you know, colourful, sort of rainbow burger type thing. And the idea of the collaboration there was sell them for $25. The people that got in early didn't only get the NFT, but they also got a gift card for $1,300, which was a year's worth of free burgers. And then on top of that, they had nights called and days called Metaverse Mondays, where it meant that you could blend having virtual Applebee's experiences and actually going into the restaurant as well. And what we're hearing is Taco Bell's looking at it, you know, Domino's, Chipotle, and, and, and. So you're going to see a lot more of this. And my advice would be, if it's not unaffordable, you know, buy as many of these NFTs as you can because you will be super rewarded for going in early. You'll be treated like a god. So definitely look at it. It's a great thing to do. And it's a bit of fun as well. But I could definitely imagine this, you know, having, you know, hand-drawn pizza slices and each of them's custom and doing different things. And that could be for, you know, pizza punks, pizza pilgrims, pizza express, whatever it is. And you could do our great kids range. And then when people buy pizzas from you, you know, you perhaps give them an NFT for free and then they can keep it and it unlocks loyalty programs for them. And, you know, maybe you get, you know, pizza in the post at pizza pilgrims for free because you've got this nft so many great things that you'll be able to do so just think about it you know if you owned the original big mac nft you know how much that would be worth also you might have a special banksy version with bleaker burger here in the uk and again you can think how much these things would be worth so it's a very exciting time for creating content content and creating wealth i think there's a lot of exciting things that you'll be able to do NFT frames are going to be coming soon as well, so you'll be able to have those in your home and undoubtedly you're going to have NFT frames within your restaurants as well So, and your, your venues, your hospitality premises, your hotels, whatever. Not to go into about Gary V too much, but he's such a innovator in this space. So he has opened along with Josh and Connor um, and David. He, they've launched this restaurant called Fly Fish Club. Fly Fish Club is going to be steaks and fish and also a special room, which is going to be, you know, an upgrade on the tokens that you buy, 
where you'll be able to have sushi um, made for you in, in front of you, which just looks absolutely delicious. So this is an NFT. I think it's the world's first members-only private dining club. And the membership is purchased on the blockchain as an NFT and is owned by the token holder to access the restaurant and the various culinary, cultural, and social experiences, it says here. So already they've unlocked a cruise to Miami for members, but again, it's limited, but a lot of people will be on this straight away. Now, just looking at the information here for Fly Fish Club, it's not easy to say, um, the floor price, it says, so that means that, you know, the entry level of where you can get into is 4.04. So that's around £13,000, um, or $13,000, so yeah, so it's quite a, quite a, you know, quite a hefty sum, um, and a lot of these will be being sold on the secondary market now, so if you got an early, you'd got it cheaper, you'd maybe get more, um, but now people have bought them to then sell them at a higher price, so it's a little bit like concert tickets in a way in terms of that secondary market. So you can see here, um, but if you listen to this in the podcast, you, if you imagine, there's a, you know, picture of a, a massive tuna, and then you've got, you know, the price at four Ethereum, which is around that 12 and a bit, 13,000. Um, so, you know, punchy in terms of membership, but then that's you forever. You know, it's not a yearly thing. Then uh, they're also opening an omakase bar, you know, like a sushi bar. So you needed a special token for that. So they are incredibly beautiful and incredibly special so you've got you know the uni gunkins there you've got the nigiri with you know the tuna on or the toro or whatever um so real prize possessions here but yeah the price i mean my god the price 125 ethereum which would be three hundred and seventy-five thousand pounds dollars yeah so yeah very 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 expensive yeah nearly four hundred thousand dollars so yep not too bad if you bought one early and got it reasonably cheap so we'll leave the metaverse behind for the last few slides. What we've got here is talking about Instagram and social shopping. Now, it's a great idea for you to get into this. And unfortunately for restaurants, services, hospitality businesses, it's going to be physical products only that are going to be available through Instagram social shopping. But what it means for the user is they can see a picture of something that they like, they hit on it, and you can do that now, but then you get carted off, transported off to the website where you have to complete the transaction. Now, your payment details are going to be within Instagram. So it's going to be frictionless, dangerous in terms of those late night scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You'll probably buy way more things than you need. But it's the way the world's moving, and it'd be definitely a good idea to see if you can get some of that action. But you're going to need physical products. Subscription is going to be a huge thing. I'd encourage every single business to look at a subscription model and what they can do there. You know, if your brand's strong enough, it's got a great cult following or a strong target audience following, then the amount of money you're going to make off that's going to be unbelievable. Prep were the pioneers in the UK for this in terms of the coffee subscription, but you know, you can see other people coming into the space, you know, Taco Bell, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I would absolutely counsel doing that. TikTok kitchens are going to be huge as well. So TikTok has obviously seen the huge food trend that's happening and they're going to be working with content creators to design menus, design food, and you're going to be able to buy the most popular TikTok dishes 
that are around and you'll be able to get them delivered. Now, the danger that means for the hospitality industry is that your content creators are now going to become your competitors and also TikTok is going to become a food competitor too. So who would have thought that was going to happen? It's already been done to a certain extent in the UK when Twisted Foods had to open some dark kitchens because their content was getting so popular and they found that they would be able to sell direct to customers. But it's definitely something that's going to be a danger and a threat for all hospitality businesses if they get this right in terms of the execution. The other thing I was thinking about was why don't you look at these trends all the time and have your own TikTok nights where you see the top 10 things that are trending food-wise. Your chefs will hate you, but you ask your chefs to make them. And then you can have TikTok special nights where, you know, there's the top 10 things on TikTok that people want to eat. And that would be, you know, quite an experience for, you know, certainly the millennial and centennial Gen Z um, generations. Apps are now part of normal life. Most places you go, you have to scan a QR code or log in somewhere or download an app for you to be able to order anything. Now, the problem with that is that it does break conversation and I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm quite disappointed about that because when you're breaking conversation, you know, this time more than any other time, you maybe haven't seen someone for two years and you've got a lot to tell them, you've got a lot to get through. And for 20 minutes of the time that you're out to then be taken up with, um, you know, ordering and, you know, bad UI is a bit of a disgrace. So, you know, what we really want is, you know, frictionless apps. I'm sorry about the, the slide. Um, sorry from the podcast, you'll not see it, but yeah, it's a a, a slide of a ape, a frictionless ape. So yeah, it's a bad joke. Um, so then last couple of slides then, you know, I would definitely recommend looking at some apps like Storekit, um, you know, some other ones out there, but it's the best that I've found in terms of the frictionless nature of getting things done. You can have the set that you don't actually capture the customer's details, but of course, marketers would want that, so it would slow the process down. But also what you can do is you can put videos in the UI, and the UI is just very, very similar to the, the delivery apps that you see out there as well. So there's no learning curve for the customer. You know, it's not something new. They'll have seen it a million times, but that adding that video in there just instead of a picture really brings the experience to life. The other thing I would say is, you know, I found an article from 2017 that was talking about Alexa-style apps in um, restaurants, etc. There's Alexa going off. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, there's so much great opportunity there where you would ask the smart speaker to order things, then you would be able to interact with it all the way through the journey. So you'd be saying, how long is this taking? Oh, could I just add this? Could you hold that? Um, could we maybe just delay it for 20 minutes? You know, whatever it's going to be, and it'd be able to handle it all. So that's where I would like to see things going because then there's hardly any breaking conversation. It takes you two seconds just to say some stuff that you want, and then you're off and away. So I'd really encourage app uh, developers to have a wee look at that. So the last couple of things then are... Of course, there's four P's in marketing. Um, seven, some people talk about. There's nine P's that I'm focusing on right now with any job that I've got. So I'm looking through the start. So what's the problem? Who's the person that I'm trying to get to? What's the positioning that you're going to position your product, place, price, promotion against them? Then how are you going to get the penetration where they're going to actually engage and buy something? And then what's the public perception of your brand 
this is quite tongue twistery. So yeah, what's the public perception of your brand out there as well? So definitely something to to look at. But that's the way I'm thinking and the thought process when I'm approaching any problem right now. And then the last slide or last couple of slides I was thinking about really was that I saw this great infographic from a designer who sort of brought all the great thinking that Mark Ritson does in his, his two MBA courses into a, a brilliant infographic that's called Marketing Land. And what happens here is when you look at it and just if you look at it online or if you get in touch with me at mark at supersonic.marketing, I can send it to you. But when you look at it, it's amazing because it sets out that with this journey, it's almost like a roadmap all the way down, that at the bottom, the last P promotion is where everyone focuses. And it is, you know, especially in hospitality where ops run the business, you know, marketing is the promotions department, the colouring in department, you know, whatever you want to say. So the best marketers in the world actually start at the top of marketing land, which is market orientation. So proper marketers start there and that's the diagnosis phase. So market orientation means, is this suitable for the customer? You know, what does the customers want? And looking for those opportunities, not just taking something as red and then marketing the hell out of it. You actually look at the market and you say, well, looking at this market and ori orientating your way through it, what is it that it actually needs here? Then you skip across into market research as part of your market, uh, part of your diagnosis as well. Then you slip down into strategy. So it's the holy trinity of segmentation, targeting, positioning, STP. So you segment the market, entire market. Then you look at the ones you're going to target. Mark actually talks about this. Mark Ritson talks about this as being an erotic moment. And I'd have to agree, you know, that's the moment where you say, I'm only going after these people. And then that just starts to frame everything. Then you position everything against, um, you know, the, the targets that you're going after, and then you get into your four Ps. So price, place, product, and promotion. So it's just a really good lesson for marketers in, in terms of saying, how can you add the most value to a business? How can you lead the conversation? How can you get to the boardroom table? And also, how can you lead that business to glory and not just be the, the posters or the promotion department? So as the world resets, it's a really good idea for you to reset as well. Reset your expectations, reset your marketing team, reset your marketing plan, reset your marketing thinking, and you won't go far wrong. So the takeaways then I would say are every day, think about where your target market's attention is and only stay there. Extra points for thinking about where the attention may be just after that in the midterm. Focus on place or distribution, so fragmented now, so move with the times. It's kind of like back in the day when we only had three or four TV channels. You can see how many we've got now, and then you've got the streaming sites and all the rest of it. It's so fragmented, you've got to move with it. You can't just do the three-channel marketing again. Use TikTok for recruitment, organic and advertising. It's devastatingly effective, but work with experts and take the time to really understand it. Just because you use TikTok doesn't mean to say you'll be good at marketing on it, right? The analogy would be just because you drink beer doesn't make you a brewer. So definitely seek out experts and figure out what they know and how you can use that to devastate an effect. Explore and adopt the latest tech options as soon as you can. Innovation is faster than ever and the window for you to get the PR and the organic reach and attention from it is shorter than ever. 
always look at new tech and other industries as well to figure out how you can make it work for hospitality or you know whichever business you're in to make the customer experience as smooth as possible and i always talk about it go slightly red talking about it you know a little bit embarrassing but if you look at the the gambling industry the porn industry you know these types of industries they will take your money faster than anyone and they will have your attention longer than anyone so look at what they're doing look at what tech they're implementing and how could you bring that across to what it is that you're doing and then the last one is focus on defining and amplifying your brand inside and out as well because it's going to help reputation and solve both the customer and the staffing challenge. And that's the two things that markets are going to have in 2022. You're going to want more customers to come more often and spend more and come back again. Um, and then also you're going to have the huge staffing challenge, no matter what business you're in, you know, staffing is really difficult right now um, in most industries. So if you want to hire me, um, then I'm at mark at supersonic.marketing, mark at supersonic.marketing and on Instagram and Twitter at supersonic underscore inc. So please get in touch if you would like me to help you out. So my brand new podcast series has just started. Um, you might be listening to this on the podcast, which is all very meta, not Zuckerberg's meta, but meta in general. So the Supersonic Marketing Podcast, so do check it out. There's, yeah, about 80 episodes, I think. So loads of great things in there, including a chat with Professor Mark Ritson as well. And that's everything. Okay, bye. Huge thanks to you for listening. It's great to be back. Really chuffed. And uh, yeah, do drop us a line. Let us know where you're listening, how you're listening, how it's all going. I'd really love to get back in touch with you and reconnect with you. So thanks so much for that. Huge thanks to Storekit and Saved by Robots for sponsoring this episode. And we will hopefully be hearing a bit more from them in the future. Huge thanks to production team as well, Gaz and Gabby, for helping us. And all that they do to make this happen and put it together. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks so much for listening. And I really hope that this is the start of many episodes that's going to give you the help, the advice, the confidence to make your brand boom. <laughs>